0: Heavenly Father, we thank thank You that You are holy, and You do everything that is good, right, and perfect. And we pray that You would now continue to minister to us by Your Holy Spirit, that we would know the assurance of Your presence and Your promises and Your power in our lives that make us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us, in whose name we pray, Amen. amen. Please be seated. If God is good, how is it that he can allow evil? T- if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just stop it? These are really significant questions for all of us. The world is filled with good Because God created everything and said that everything is good. But right alongside the good, there is evil. We see it every day, we're exposed to it throughout every day. Right alongside the good that God created, there is evil. How does evil come into the world? Here's an idea. Watch this.
1: (laughs) Church Chat. Hello, hello once again. I'm the church lady and this is Church Chat. Well, you know, the holiday season has arrived and with it, a little letter from Toledo, Ohio. Let's just read that right now, shall we? Dear church lady, I am shocked at the number of people who bring their children to total strangers in Santa suits (laughs) What causes this mass hysteria signed Elaine? Well Elaine, let's examine the word Santa, shall we? Santa! Let's see, what have we got here? We've got an S, and an A, an N, a T, and another A Hmm be causing all those laps to bounce up and down so furiously? Who would help grown men steal the focus from the baby Jesus on his birthday? Who could it be? I just don't know. Could it be Satan?
0: (laughs) Y'all remember that from Saturday Night Live way back in the day? I think it's a a helpful clip um, because we typically respond to evil in one of two ways. Either we don't take the reality of evil seriously, and so we make fun of evil to relieve our insecurities about it. Or we go overboard and become too serious about evil and become consumed by it because we don't understand how to overcome it. Last week, we explored the narrative of creation. And our storyline began with this. Before anything existed, there was an amazing being called God, the author of life who created all things to glorify himself. Last week, we explored the narrative of creation. This week, we're introduced to a new theme. It's a theme that runs all the way through the entire divine narrative. This week we're introduced to the new theme, the theme of evil. And that is introduced into God's story by a villain. Every great story has a villain. What what do villains do? They attempt to thwart and displace good with their Arrogant intentions. Every great story has a villain. Batman has... Nope. Superman has... Lex Luthor. The three little pigs have... The big bad wolf. All right. Checking you out here. Lion King has... Scar. Very good. Frozen has... Prince Han. Yeah? Okay. Come back to something a little bit easier. Star Wars has? Darth Vader. Peter Pan has? Captain Hook. The Wizard of Oz has? The Wicked Witch of the West. The Lord of the Rings has? Sarmon. Yeah. Have you ever thought why every great story has a villain? It's because every great story is a reflection or points to a greater story, the dominant story of the universe, God's story, and God's story has a villain. This morning, I'd like to tell you a story about the first rebellion against God. This is the story about how evil enters into the world. The story is found in the Bible, and it describes why there is both good and and bad in the world. The story continues like this. God created angels. And God created angels to worship Him and to serve Him. God loved the angels. And He never wronged them in any way. And when God set the foundations of the world, the angels were right there watching Him. And when the angels saw God's power and his ability to make so many different things, they sang and they shouted for joy, giving glory to God. There was one angel who was the most beautiful of all the angels. And this angel's name was Lucifer, which means bright morning star. When Lucifer saw the other angels singing songs to God and shouting great things about God, he became jealous. Lucifer wanted the angels to praise him instead of God. So he said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars and I will be like God. Although Lucifer had seen God's power and creation, he wanted to be like God rather than worship and serve God. And with this decision, he challenged God. And evil entered into the created realm. Then Lucifer went and convinced one-third of all the angels to worship him instead of God. He deceived them. He divided them and he led them astray in rebellion against God. All rebellion against God and the ways of God is called sin. Well, God knew what Lucifer was doing because God knows everything. And because God is holy and does everything that is good, right, and perfect, evil is never allowed to remain in God's presence. So God exerted his authority over evil and removed the rebellion from heaven. God punished Lucifer and all of Lucifer's followers by casting them down to the earth. Like a flash of lightning, they fell. Then God changed Lucifer's name. Instead of being known as the bright morning star, He was now known as Satan, which means adversary, one who is against someone else because Satan is against God. And one third of the angels who were once beautiful and good, worshiping and serving God became God's enemies along with Satan, the primary villain in God's story. This is the narrative we call rebellion. Now, there's several significant takeaways in this chapter of God's story. And I want to unfold just two of them this morning. And the first significant takeaway in this chapter of God's story is that evil exists because God allows evil. Everything God created was good, so God did not create evil. But God did create a universe where evil could be chosen. And when the angels use their free will to worship and serve God, everything is good. The way God creates it and intends it. But when they use their free will to challenge God, evil enters into the created realm. The epitome of evil is rebelling against God. Rebelling against God and his ways out of jealousy, out of arrogance, out of our desire to be like him, to be above him, to be God. It raises all sorts of questions, I know. Yes, God could have created the angels without the ability to choose between good and evil. But that would mean programming them to only do right, and then there would be no real relationship with God. Yeah, God could have restrained and stopped evil, and he does. Because if God were not restraining evil, the universe would be much, much worse. But God chose to create a real world where real choices have real consequences. God chose to allow evil, at least some of it, For some amount of time, and in his eternal wisdom, known only to himself, somehow, God uses evil for good and to glorify himself. This is a challenging thing to get our created minds around, and the temptation is to play God, isn't it? It's easy to say, if I were God, I would have figured out a way not to allow evil into the world. The truth is, if I were God, I'd know instantly why He chose to allow it as He did. I'm not God. You're not God. God is God. And God does everything that is good, right, and perfect because He is holy. Another significant takeaway in this chapter of God's story is that evil exists today because Satan promotes it. What does the Bible tell us about Satan? Well, we saw that the name Satan means adversary, one who is against God. And that's really his M.O. Ever since he was kicked out of heaven... Satan has sought to destroy God and the plan of God. And throughout the story of God, Satan is referred to as the great dragon, the serpent of old, the accuser, the tempter, the evil one, the prince of the power of this world, the enemy, the murderer, the father of lies, the God of this age, an angel of light, the one who comes to tempt, seduce, deceive, falsify, counterfeit, and confuse. And all of these verses describe Satan's deceptive character, his crafty schemes, and his evil intentions, don't they? He's a bad dude. Satan is a bad dude. He once was a beautiful angel, now... He is a fallen angel. And I think it's important to realize that Satan does not have the ability to create evil. He can promote it, but he can't create it. All Satan can do is deceive. All he can do is divide. All he can do is attempt to destroy what God has already created. And here's the kicker. Satan encourages evil by encouraging evil you and me, to have an independent spirit like Him. He brokers in persuading and manipulating us to be like Him, to be on His side, to do what He did and does. He wants you and me to join Him and to be like Him, proud, jealous, and rebelling against God. God allows evil. Satan promotes evil. And as we delve in to this reality of God's story, it's also important to keep this chapter in the context of the whole story of God. And I really appreciate C.S. Lewis. Um, on a number of levels. But I really appreciate how C.S. Lewis keeps this in perspective in his book called The Screwtape Letters. Have any of y'all read The Screwtape Letters? A really good book. Turn into a play. It's going to be here in San Antonio at the Majestics Theater on October 10th at 5 and 8. Get your tickets now. There's some left. But in The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis says this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our human race can fall into about the devil and his demons. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. The devil and his demons are equally pleased by both errors. That means that there are two lines of thinking that we must reject. One is that we must reject the thought that we are not at war. We're at war. Now, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the rulers, authorities, and powers of darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil that attack and fight for our very soul. We're at war. Satan wants nothing less than to lure us away from God. And He will distract our worship. He'll assault our faith. He'll lie about our identity. He'll confuse our priorities and attempt you to rebel against God. Do you know you're at war? Because the effects of war bombard our minds, attack our hearts, and consume this culture every single day. The villain wants you to be like him and to follow his ways. We're at war, so be alert. Put on all of the armor that God provides you so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil. And the promise is that he will flee from you. I'll never forget a friend of my dad's. He's now in the presence of God, who many years ago was telling me about his experience in the Vietnam War and how he became a follower of Jesus in the Vietnam War in a foxhole. And the one thing that he shared with me, he said, there's one thing I want to encourage you in your ministry for the rest of your life is that the enemy cannot attack you in a vacuum of worship. And ever since then, I've relied and come to understand that truth, that when we're exalting Jesus and when we speak the name of Jesus, there's power in that and no power or principality that would raise itself up against Jesus and his name above all names can affect us. The second thing that we have to reject is we have to reject the thought that we will be overcome by Satan. Will we be defeated? Shake your head like this. No. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through the love of God in Christ Jesus. More than conquerors. How? I want you to watch another clip. Now, Full disclosure, this clip is PG-13, okay? If you're pregnant, if you have a queasy stomach, or if there is a young person in the room under 13, I would encourage you now to go get a sip of water at the water fountain or to cover up because this is a very um, disturbing scene, okay? But I want to show this to you because it very greatly Because it very greatly personifies the war between good and evil. And so when you watch this clip, what do you see? How is Satan personified? How is the gospel portrayed? How does this illustrate the spiritual battle we face and the victory that we have in the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord? This is from the Lord of the Rings. You're welcome, ben. Let
1: the lord of the black land come forth! Let justice be done upon him!
2: Is there any in this route with authority to treat with me? We do not come to treat with Sauron, faithless and accursed. Tell your master this. The armies of Mordor must disband. He is to depart these lands, never to return. Ah, old Greybeard. I have a token I was bidden to show thee. Silence. No! Silence! The Halfling was dear to thee, I see, now that he suffered greatly at the hands of his host. Who would have thought one so small could endure so much pain? And he did, Gandalf. Seedur's air. It takes more to make a king than a broken elvish play. Ah! I guess that concludes negotiations.
0: I do not believe it. I will you not. Hold your breath!
1: I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fall. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West.
0: (laughs) So, did you see the lies, the attack against the identity? Did you see how the evil played on fear and not truth or reality? And I love how the prophecy that was first given that comes a little bit later in the story, that there will be one who cuts off the head of the stake is portrayed here. We don't treat with evil. We don't negotiate With the devil. The reality of Satan and his work should make us alert, but it should never make us afraid. Satan and demons are real, spiritual warfare exists, but hear the truth of God Jesus Christ is greater, Jesus Christ is better, Jesus Christ is stronger, and in Him we are more than conquerors. How? Because of the love of God in Christ Jesus. You want to say it with me again? Neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nor angels nor rulers can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus nor things present, nor things to come can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because of the love of God in Christ Jesus. As every story in the Bible does, the rebellion narrative points to Jesus. Hear the word of God this morning it's the sword of the Spirit, an essential weapon in our identity as those who are at war but who are more than conquerors, as those who are battling every day and yet have victory, hear the word of God. 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2.14 and 15, through death, Jesus destroyed the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Colossians 2.15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See. Satan's control over you ended when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. When Jesus went to the cross and defeated sin and death and the devil, Jesus did that for you. He did that for me. That we would turn to him and believe and experience the victory. In him, we have died and been buried. Our sins have been removed from us. We've been purified from all unrighteousness and evil. And in Him, we have been raised to new life, to victorious life. And the Spirit lives within us and gives us Jesus' very life. Hear the Word of God this morning, friends. Colossians 1, 12 and 14. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And that means that Jesus in us, and us in him, we can stand at the black gate and know that in him and with him and for him, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're more than conquerors, y'all. Through the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it's what... Jews and Gentiles and pagans alike would profess as they came out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of life. As the gospel went out, as early as the 2nd and 3rd century, there was a ritual that the people of God would celebrate together as they professed their faith publicly in Jesus Christ and entered into the community of believers. Early on in the faith that we have inherited from the saints, very early on, 2nd, 3rd century, and the baptismal covenant, do you know the first declaration out of the mouths of a new believer? The question would come, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And the response would be, I I renounce men. And at that point, did you know what they used to do? They used to spit on the ground. As a sign that I am spitting evil out of my life. I am not going to be like Lucifer. I am not going to follow him. I renounce him and everything else that rebels against God. I will not have an independent spirit. And the next question would come forward. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? And the promise would come back, I renounce renounce them. And then do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Savior? I do. The bride of Christ saying I do to the eternal bridegroom. Saying no to Satan and yes to Jesus is the only way to win the war. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So rather than blaming God for not preventing all evil, give him thanks for restraining a lot of it. And the best choice is to turn to Jesus, who is the solution for all evil. Jesus is our only hope. He's the cure for evil and the redeemer of all of its consequences. And so we stand on that promise this morning as those who follow Jesus with grace, remembering Peter's words, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance and believe. May that be us this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the table this morning, we ask for the Holy Spirit. To reveal any rebellion in our heart. Whether it's subtle rebellion, blatant rebellion, hidden rebellion, or visible rebellion. Give us the faith to turn to your love for us in Christ Jesus. Father, we put our trust in him. We surrender to his almighty rule and reign. And as we eat the bread and drink from the cup, forgive our arrogance, take away our independent spirit and restore us to the life you created us to enjoy, a life fully dependent upon you and your goodness for your glory and our eternal joy. Father, all of this we ask humbly and expectantly through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and conquering King, amen.